0: Okay, three, two, one. Hello Ariel Stark Benz. Welcome to the Pennytail Show. Thanks for being on the line from LA where it's like pretty freaking stressful. I'm stressed out for all the people in America right now. What's the vibe right now? Tense. Yeah man. (laughs) Yeah. I like I can't I can't watch the news like I can't listen to the news I can't watch the news it, like gives me anxiety and I don't even live in America right now
1: yeah I think yeah.
0: uh
1: it, it's one of those things where I don't have if I have a quick text banter with a friend it immediately goes off the rails and we just mm. start going we won't crazy. do that
0: we're not going to do that here <laughs> All <laughs> oh, good,
1: yeah. And then, um, and then on the flip side, I have friends from all over the world hitting me up and just being like, yeah. like what's going on?" Like, you know, that kind yeah. of things. So,
0: yeah, because it, it's like time. The LA, because okay, before I just start talking about LA, um, for folks listening, um, Ariel, you have a beautiful um, company called Mister Green. <laughs> lifestyle store. I really like the name. It sounds very (laughs) Japanese. Um, We'll talk about Japan in a little bit, but, um, so you have a store in LA. It looks beautiful. I've never been, you know, obviously I can't travel right now, but it looks like a beautifully designed, curated space dedicated to beautiful things and the, the, the crazy, wonders of the universe and um yeah like can you like explain to our listeners out here like what your your company's about and 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 tell us describe us like the store space and what it feels like to be in the space
1: sure so the company mr green and I like to call the store the the store that we're in right now. I refer to as the Mr. Green Annex because it's a slightly smaller, like, kind of an in-between store, so to speak. Um, we had a we had a space that was about twice the size, and the original place was called Mr. Green Life Store. Life- oh,
0: Life Store. Sorry, sorry. No, no, it's okay. My bad.
1: Life Store for Lifestyle Store. And the concept of the brand is essentially that it's a marijuana lifestyle brand. And the idea was there was a what I saw kind of a significant gap between you could say um, subtlety or minimalism in design when it came to drug paraphernalia and any kind of cross referential uh iconography having to do with weed essentially right um,
0: because it's really like taboo like i mean i guess there's like a huge taboo around weed in most cultures
1: yeah for sure i think that uh uh there it is so it's definitely associated as being a, a sort of taboo culture even in this day and age where um, I think we're up to 15 states where there's some kind of a recreational or adult use um, allowance, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to weed. So it really is, you know, from my perspective, a you know pretty obviously legal thing to do. Um, I certainly ride the coattails of all the. Um, Danger and uh, how would you say that all the things that make it taboo? So to speak as much as I can nice. uh, But at this point I would say most of my contemporaries generally agree that It's uh, the only for the, the, the people the people who, who find it taboo at this point are um, either not living in America or Canada or parts of Europe uh, uh and and thus generally agree that it's a pretty mellow um, thing that really never deserved to have that bad of a reputation in the first place. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, man. Um, yeah, I want to talk about Japan for a bit, because I was reading up, like, you, you kind of started, like, brainstorming about starting the company while you were living in Japan. Is that right?
1: So the real brainstorming, like, from the very, very beginning happened in new york actually Mm -hmm. so i would say that the really really early stage thoughts so to speak were were um, in new york but the big time sort of like how would you say the dreaming and the actual like cultivation if i can use a word like that uh really did happen while i was living in tokyo for a short for short time in between um living in new york and now in los angeles
0: yeah right It's so nice to, like, you know, when you're traveling, just think about ideas you've been thinking about at home in a new context. It gives you so much, like, new insight into the same thing. So I bet, like, being in Tokyo would have been, like, quite influential at the same time.
1: I would say that in terms of that specifically, Tokyo would be maybe the best place on earth to do it. I mean, retail there is, like... It, it's funny because when you're there, you kind of uh, accept the, you know, the, the, the normalcy is a bar that's way higher um, compared with every, everywhere else in the world, you know, but it's one of those things where just like anything, you become uh, jaded and you see the monotony throughout other things, you know, or like through, you know, or the through lines throughout a lot of different um, stores that, you know, a lot of places from afar really see and really admire and that kind of a thing. And, and sure. right, so of course, um, but it's just funny being there and literally going almost into any place and it being singularly special and one of a kind, um, almost to a point where it's like, the details are so good and generous mm-hmm. that you're just, you're spoiled. You know, That's that's like the best way to put it is yeah. that. <laughs> is that you're just spoiled by beauty and by thoughtfulness and design and and high quality i guess it's like the main thing so
0: absolutely great. i feel yeah, like was, yeah. i feel like like the richness of of like retail in in japan is also just how goddamn niche you can get and be able to survive and yeah, yeah you can open a bar with like Two seats and just play some really like obscure, I don't know, reggae or whatever, and just like be able to do that. And but apparently, like, you know, that's a lifestyle choice too. It's not for everybody, yeah. But that's that's
1: the that's what I loved about being in Japan, especially during this time, was like no matter how obscure or niche or whatever like you wanna go in Japan, it's all there. But you know what wasn't there when I was there? Tell me. A well-designed head shop or a lifestyle store that really put an emphasis on the sort of, how would you say, foundational, um, I don't I don't know. I mean, uh...
0: it's so taboo. It's so so taboo in Japan. Um, like I feel like they there are one they one culture one society that you know has a long way to go. I I had like Yumiko Sakumai from um, she's a really incredible writer from from Japan or well, she's Japanese American and um, she actually wrote a book recently called Let's Talk About Cannabis um, for the Japanese market. It's in Japanese, so I can't read it. But um, yeah, so that was kind of, it was super controversial for her. She got a lot of like pushback um, in the Japanese, um, you know, in in Japan. And like, yeah, just putting out a book like that, you know, caused a lot of kind of stir. So yeah, it's very interesting. I feel like um, in Asia, there's in Asia right now, actually, most countries that are looking at Thailand right now in terms of the hemp culture, like the yeah. hemp, industrial hemp and cannabis um, industries. Um, mm. I feel like Thailand's really pushing that industry forward, and many countries like Japan are kind of watching to see how that goes. So, yeah, yeah fingers crossed that you know that pushes forward something interesting but um yeah actually
1: it's be a windfall honestly
0: yeah totally and, totally. and just really
1: fast the yeah. author that you're talking about do you what what is her name out of curiosity and is she on twitter and very regular yes dude i follow follow, her then. I, yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yumiko sakuma shout out to you yumi um yeah definitely whoever's listening follow her um keep an eye on her like what she puts out, she puts out things in English and in Japanese, but she's always, she's got the smarts. She's, she's got, you know, she's always doing interesting things. Um, in terms of design, I want to talk about design with you because yeah. I feel like you're very design focused. I feel like, um, yeah, I want to know like, okay, what is, what is your kind of creative background? How did you get to this, to that point? And like, how did how what is your kind of design process when you're designing collections and stuff
1: so uh, i would i would just say in general i've always experimented with art and design since i was a kid and so that was just part of kind of my life you know forever and um wherever I was uh, at any point in my life, I was just making things, you know, and, um, and they were always, you know, sort of generally informed by whatever I was interested in. And then I would create like a thing that sort of echoed that basically, you know, whether it was like a, you know, when I was really little, I was really into making zines all the time. Of course, nice. I didn't call them zines, I, I, would, I called them books, uh, and they would usually say, it, it was usually just the cover that I would design, and then uh, and then the inside would be blank. <laughs> uh, or nice. I'd get, you know, some of the more filled out ones were usually maybe three to four pages deep, but another um, seven or eight blank ones on the back, you know, so they're pretty conceptual, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, and um, the, uh, oh, there goes Pina.
0: Hey, Pina. <laughs> just looking out uh, for the team.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, later in my life, uh, well actually like into high school and then early college, I was a long distance runner. And so I had a, a very, um, clear dream of designing running shoes for Nike, for Whoa. example. And so that was where I, you could say I got pretty serious about specifically, um, applying design to, you know, the, 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 ideals of a career or, uh, yeah. some sort of future, you know, where I could be like a, a designer, you know, ultimately. Yeah. Um, but to tell you the truth, it was a long road kind of getting there. And I played for a really long time more, um, with the idea of actually, uh, like I I never stepped into the professionalism aspect. I was honestly too afraid. And I always felt, um, like I just wasn't, uh, good enough was like the main thing. And so I held back because I mean, you know, like anybody fear holds, um, fear just holds people back naturally and um, but fortunately, I kind of got over that um, when I basically, you know, sort of long story short, is um, one of this this person who I became best friends with, uh, who found me through a T-shirt uh, company that I used to make called um, Gentleman's Bed back in the day. Yes. Um, he he was like one of the like five people that bought a T-shirt from me, you know. And uh, and he wanted to be he wanted to collaborate with me on some stuff and he had a he had a design studio and um, and in the end uh, he we ended up making a design studio together and I officially kind of entered that world as a you know quote unquote working designer um, we decided pretty quickly that uh that the partnership wasn't ideal so to speak partnerships
0: Um, are hard they're so hard they are hard yeah it was
1: a it was a good learning experience but what it did do for me in that first year was um was just allowed me to basically you know step in fully into myself as a designer and and to be accountable for you know work that was supposed to you know work in the real world so to speak you know um and uh and i made it i I mean like a lot of the work still exists you know and it's like out there and yeah it's out in there
0: in the universe like kind of forever in perpetual (laughs) floatingness I,
1: i always like to tell people that uh This is—I mean, this is obviously like something that should be off the record, but just for fun. um, (laughs) But why not
0: put it on the internet?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just—I won't—I won't won't put any—I won't put any names to it. But there was there was a job that we did that um, was—it sounded really interesting to me, and my partner was a little lukewarm on it. But ultimately, it was through a, a close contact of both of ours, and we decided to take it on. It didn't pay very well. But he had offered some equity, um, you know, in place of pay, like in the first place. And and even though it's not very much cash, my partner was like, "Nah, like we're just taking the cash. Like there's no way we're gonna take the equity." That company, uh, last I checked, was uh, valued at somewhere like nine hundred million or something like that. Dang. After being in- after after being in business no joke for like four years or something um, and and it's it's funny I so I, that was like um we always like you know sort of competed um we we just did our own sketches and then we'd present the best work at the end you know and um and my stuff got chosen and they've they've made variations on it at this point you know but i I, I just always have to laugh at like you know this app, this app that's out there. You okay. know, uh, being worth a lot of money, and and you know, uh, you, one should never put a dollar amount on their creativity, and and yeah. that's not at all what I'm interested in. But I can still laugh that this like, you know, sort of world that I am because I have not, no interest in the app. I'm not a part of it, and honestly, like, it was a great exercise in creating.
0: Mm.
1: Um, an identity for uh, a a vast population that I'm not even associated with, you know, and it's just kind of fun as a result, you know, to kind of look at it, you know.
0: It's a Uh, very fine line between, when you're a creative person, I feel like there's a very fine line between like eating and being overly self-indulgent and making, creating things that you just want to create that nobody else can understand. I fall into the second category more than the first, but well,
1: <laughs> I, I me. mean, I think I think the truth is is like you you always have to look at it. You know, what's what's your purposes? You know, yeah. at our at our you know at that point for me, so much of it was just learning yeah. and understanding how to even put a value on what my creativity was worth, so to speak. And I had worked for agencies in the, in the past, but I was never a creative. I was always like a ideas person or like brand, like kind of brand marketing, you know? Um, but this was a situation where I was actually just fundamentally like pen to paper, so to speak. And, Mm -hmm. um, and actually making the thing, the visual aspect, you know? And, um, and the, the truth is, again, it's like you're either doing it basically for yourself or you're doing it for somebody else and that, somebody else is hypothetically paying you, you know, like uh, a reasonable amount of money. But those are always like that, you know, even in my work now, I have designs that I'm like, am I doing, you know, is this, is this really me? Or is this something that I just know the kind of like general public will enjoy, you know? Yeah. And fortunately, um, Uh, you know, I usually come around to it later on, you know, like, Oh, I'm like that. That's nice and classic. And of course people are going to like this thing and I end up liking it too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't have like, you know, residual regrets or I, you know, we're not talking about like, um, working with McDonald's or something like that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not uh, like approaching some sort of like sellout, you know, situation. And your um,
0: customers already understand your universe as well, which is another yeah, point, you know,
1: for sure. Yeah. But there is a distinction. And, you know, it's all mostly up in my head, not even the people that work with me know mm-hmm. it. But it's like, there is a lot of stuff that I just let go because I know it will do well mm. and ultimately it's a net positive for the brand. Yeah. But it's like, it, you know, it, it's like the, it's just a classic situation where it's like, if you're a guitar player um, and you just are jamming solos all the time, people are going <laughs> to find that really fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah. Totally <laughs> you know? Or if you get too jazzy, like, there's like a few people that are gonna absolutely love it and praise you for it, but you will be in a very, very, very small little like pool and I fortunately have a little bit, um, or or the way I see it is that it's fortunate that I don't um, feel the need to necessarily like, really, I'm not trying to impress anybody, I'm just trying to make good work that, can be relatively broadly appealing to people that like design, people that like weed, um, people that you know might just actually just be passing by and something could catch their eye because it's just uh, pleasant or um, nostalgic or yeah. amusing, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. So.
0: How important is like this idea of beauty to you when you're designing?
1: Whoa! <laughs> yes, sorry, man. Uh, just, just
0: drop dropping that one. Like uh, it just I, I just thought of that, and I just when you were just talking before, I just thought that was like a really curious. Like I was just very curious, actually. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. It's it is important. It's extremely important to me because the the truth is is that it's subjective and you can find beauty in so many different angles and you can look at something every day for your whole life and 40 years later realize that this actually is maybe more um, resemblant of or or resembles beauty more to you than anything else but you didn't necessarily like come to really think of it in such um, focused or like simple terms, so to speak, you know? So it's extremely important to me, but at at the same time, I do understand that it's subjective and, um, you know, sometimes comes with a time and a place or, um, I don't know, sometimes things are just uh, so natural that they just sort of meet up and align and that kind of a thing. but you can achieve it in so many different ways, so I think ultimately, beauty, if it's coming from, uh, let's say like a a just place within yourself, is is the most important thing, ultimately, so putting it back in that way, um, I would say that it's incredibly important for me to um, believe in what I'm doing and um, And if I can achieve that semblance of beauty, then uh, ultimately, like, that's a good day Mm. at the That's a a fucking good good day, man.
0: (laughs) That's a fucking good day. Make some beautiful things for the world. Yeah. Yeah. What a great day that would be. Um, So you kind of started out before, sorry to, like, yeah that I just dropped a real heavy heavy thing on you, but um moving okay. back to starting out um you started out with like a product line that uh, like of of fragrances and was the was that what came first was the kind of apothecary line before the the clothes and then the store later is that am I right there?
1: well, how,
0: how did you go about? But-
1: no, no, no. All good. It's it's interesting that you say that because the truth is I had the vision or the imagination or so to speak regarding the fragrance, my first fragrance before the, I had the brand. But when I launched the brand, it was kind of like perfect for it, you know, ultimately, mm. like I, I um, how do I even say this? It's is sort of like I'm just, I I feel so, um, lucky that a lot of ideas and, and, uh, um, I guess something that maybe resonates with a lot of people is that me doing this brand is extremely personal. And that perfume was something that was sort of in my, it was, it was, it was in me already, so to speak, Mm. you know, how it came about, um, which is, is kind of funny, um, was, I mean, originally, I had somebody that I was going to work with on it, and um, again, this is just so fun. okay. Life. So, my my ex
0: <laughs>
1: makes perfumes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and when we split up, uh, I mean we we kept a friendship for for a time, and there was a very selfish part of me that was like. Holding on to the fact that she was going to help me make this thing happen, basically, she wasn't really into my brand at the beginning, and now is actually totally supportive, and we became friends again. I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm, I'm trying to say um, after some time. But uh, but the the strange thing was, um, I had actually I had done uh, let's say like I think one collection at that point, um, or actually I. Yeah, I had just done one collection, so to speak, and we were having a conversation about doing the perfume and yada yada yada, and we had a huge fight, and um, and we basically didn't talk. I think for for two years after that. Um, but the interesting thing about you bringing this up is, I had basically just released the um, like the the first Mr. Green products of the world, so to speak. And by the way. This was December of 2015 and um, I had only just moved back to, um, or, excuse me, not, not back, but I had just uh, moved to LA um, only about a month and a half before, uh, mm-hmm. after leaving Tokyo. And um, and I just like jammed it all together, like everything that I had been working on, released this site, had this vision of this perfume that I knew was gonna do, like that was just going to be wonderful, you know? And we, I released the site and I wanna say that probably within a day or so, we had this huge fight and I remember thinking to myself, damn, this perfume's never gonna happen. And I'm not kidding, the day after this, I get this email from this company, or the, the, just this person and they say, hey, we love what you do and we make perfume and other like soap and apothecary stuff. If you'd ever be interested in working on something, we'd love to talk with you about it. This was the day after, and this is wow. probably within a week of my brand existing. Yeah, like like, like it was like so
0: universe, weird. Yeah, aligning. Because I
1: was like, I was like, well, how did you even hear about the brand in the first place? You know, uh, it was yeah. only. It was only friends at that point you know we may have had um we may have been on like a, a, some kind of you know press site or something like that but um but it was it, it, it like totally blew my so mind trans. that it happened yeah so we we after that initial discussion i, I believe we launched um the the perfume is called hippie shit and it's basically what i envisioned was um this smell of burnt palo santo somehow transferring its way into um uh into perfume form so to speak so uh notes of wood notes of smoke um a little bit of sweetness like that kind of a thing um the other things that would make it be called hippie shit in the first place which by the way is an, an ode to my parents
0: um, Aww, Uh <laughs> so sweet <laughs> tell us uh, about them
1: Well, obviously, you know, there's a certain, you know, obvious like a hippie tie in, so to speak. Um, But all of the things that sort of connote this idea of what like a hippie smell would smell like mixed in with all the things that I sort of love and would want to experience um, in a perfume as well, you know, is the result of, of the perfume at the end, you know. So wow. I really, how like tell, you know, thanks, I, mean, I mean, thanks I
0: mean, mom and dad,
1: <laughs> but like the hippie shit thing, just calling things hippie shit. I just remember so many clear memories in my head. My family is like, we are for lack of a more precise term, hoarders, uh, collectors. I don't know how you I want to co- describe it.
0: I call it collecting. Sure, okay.
1: yeah. <laughs> but we collect everything. It's a you know?
0: sickness that you're born with.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: Part yes. of the reason why I
1: started the shop was just to get rid of some of my <laughs> shit. You know? uh, but the point is, is uh, uh, we just had a lot of uh, hippie ephemera, a lot of knickknacks. Beautiful. Around the house, you know. And, uh, and And I remember most of my life thinking very clearly that... The best way to label that stuff was hippie shit.
0: That's really interesting to me because that, like, does did that is that why your aesthetic is so clean and minimalist? Because you grew up with of parents. I have like I mean, a, I've never heard of
1: anybody uh, you know going against uh, how they're raised. You know? <laughs> yeah. No.
0: Like I'm the I'm the exact opposite of you. My parents like. My house was always so disinfected and white and clean that I turned into a hoarder. So, you know, it's definite. There's definitely something in there for sure.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was our lifestyle was for sure. I mean, you know, aspects of it, I'm sure you've definitely held on to, you know. Yeah, Uh, for sure.
0: It's it's in it's you can't help it. It's just in you. You know, that's all you I mean,
1: know. I am looking at at your the background. You know, yeah. It seems much more orderly than what I've got going on. You oh, know, really? On wow.
0: Table.
1: Do you want me to show you the table? Hi.
0: Yeah. Show me. Show me. So, are we in? Tell me where we are right now. So, this is your design table.
1: Yeah. Uh, Some people is, are just uh, listening
0: right now. So, yeah. What, we we just looked at this beautiful glass round table. Yeah.
1: Which which I inherited when I moved into this place, um, uh, and and honestly, it fits perfectly in this room. And it's a you know, it's not my top choice of table, but I will say that it's not bad in terms of a so working table, you know. Nice. And it fits this room really nicely. So I'm in my studio in Silver Lake, and it's actually the lower level of my house. And basically, when the pandemic hit, it was, we, uh, my, my wife and I lived in a pretty decent spot. Um, but the difference was mainly we were on a um, busy street and, um, she got a job, uh, working as a, uh, as a night nurse actually. So she's, um, she's working towards being, uh, like a, a full-time midwife actually. Wow. And so she She's a labor and delivery night nurse. And so she's we, like
0: on call. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: So we, uh, we needed a place basically that she could sleep during the day. And unfortunately, yeah. our house being beautifully situated among, uh, uh, right next to, or sort of in front of a, a bustling thoroughfare wasn't quite the um, adequate Peaceful. amount of uh, yeah, peace, peace, so to speak.
0: Peace. Yeah. Right. So,
1: <laughs> so we found we, we were looking for a little while and we ended up finding this place and it was way out of our budget except that I really needed a studio I had been without one pretty much this whole year and working a lot from home which was um, also not great with um, the lack of peace um, and so the way that I, I could see it working essentially was I maybe put a little bit of a studio budget into the Mm. place and uh, Hopefully sell a few more t-shirts this year (laughs) And make it happen, you know,
0: that's a good segue actually into what business is like this year But I can totally relate to that. Um, yeah, my studio is also in my my place and I kind of budgeted I went for like a much bigger Place than one person needs but I budgeted yep. for like sharing that half for the business um, so it works out pretty sweet
1: if you, you know. can sell
0: enough t-shirts yeah. Um, so but like tell us like okay what has business been like for you you do wholes- you do a wholesale business and a retail business um, yep. what has this year been like for you you know especially having a shop in LA and you know the, I guess the fashion industry has taken a huge hit this year, um, but it. I feel like the coronavirus really just, like, was a catalyst for like a lot of cracks in the pavement that was, that was you know, bound to f- crumble. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell tell me about what this year's been like for you.
1: Well, I. It's interesting that you say that. for for us it's definitely been like a perspective builder so to speak and and usually yeah I mean you're right like the things that don't necessarily uh, let's say like need to be there tend to kind of like get um, minimized as a result of focusing on what seems to be more important Um, however there's plenty of um, really really sad you know sort of instances of you know i mean restaurant like like eating out for example is a luxury everybody enjoys it's totally heartbreaking to see how decimated the restaurant industry has Mm -hmm. um has kind of what that what's happened essentially is you know most um i forget what the figure is but it's like 80% 80% of restaurants in Manhattan have closed and won't reopen, you know, some of like that. And, and, and I want to say the figure is pretty close in LA as well. And, um, and I think that there is certainly like a, a, certain trimming of the fat, so to speak. And I think that things were maybe a bit, you know, out of hand in that regard. And, and I'm sure that there's like a similar, um, trend having to do with like the fashion industry and, and the way that people consume, and that kind of a thing, and, and mm.
0: um, Just overconsumption, really, yeah. for fashion.
1: Yeah, except for the fact that I don't necessarily think that that overconsumption, uh, that over-consumption has been halted, you know? Mm, um, interesting. I think, I think that the appetite, in a lot of ways, has shifted, and, you know, I can only speak for our, you know, the, the sort of you know, ourselves as a case study because, Mm. you know, I just see it and I live it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, number one, it doesn't really make sense to have a retail store open at the moment, you know? Um, and we are actively kind of reconciling what that is going to look like for us because I have always absolutely loved having brick and mortar. And I think it's kind of a crucial, Part of the cultural fabric to most cities is having Physical is it, shops. That yeah, can,
0: it's a you community. Know, You're building yeah. a physical community that you cannot possibly do on the internet for sure yep. Yeah, Absolutely. it's that that tactile face-to-face That real like, yep. you know that feeling that you get that you can't get from like yeah internet for yeah
1: sure. mm. so while I know for sure we are never going to abandon the brick-and-mortar um, approach, so to speak. I'm definitely more and more inching toward figuring out how we can compromise or maybe even take a little bit of a hiatus from the brick-and-mortar thing in a traditional sense. Um, and I'm trying to get smart about like what that actually means, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if I necessarily need to like do the like Mr. Green like hippie school bus, you know, that drives around to the like you know, uh, whatever the the like sort of lots or something like that of the world. But um, but I definitely want to think of an interesting way that you know we can present ourselves in a in a more non traditional
0: mm. setting. You know, there's some that, real room to yeah. be real creative about that.
1: I think so, and I, I i just don't know if I've seen exactly what it is mm. um, that I'm maybe like sort of yearning for um, yet, and um, and I hope to because you know the truth is, is that, you know the world doesn't necessarily need another pop up in general, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I don't see you know. Let's just put it this way our store, like in the brick, in terms of brick and mortar, is sustaining itself, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, paying our rent and we can pay for people to be there. And we are maybe, because we sell so much of our own stuff, like able to carry the costs of, you know, sort of uh, all the third party vendors that, that mm-hmm. you know, that, that we sell. But it's definitely like not you know, we're we're kinda of doing it for the love, so to speak, yeah. you know? Um and so I'm trying to wrap my head around what uh, a more let's just say like uh, useful version of what we're doing is, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And I have some ideas. I don't think I'm gonna
0: Don't share them now. But
1: I'm, I'm not gonna expand on them at the moment, yeah, you know. Yeah. They're not they're not fully fleshed out. So um but one thing that I did find, you know, very quickly and early on was e-commerce is crushing at the moment. I actually think that for the most part, and this is like super sad for some re- retailers, some of my favorite retailers really don't have e-commerce mm. and they have been basically forced to figure their thing out essentially or they've kind of gone a bit quiet yeah. as a result. and that, I mean, it just is what it is. You know, you you can't really, like, say one thing about it, you know. Yeah. You, you either choose to participate or you don't. One thing that I will say is we have always put e-commerce second to what we're doing, and it's been very much about the store experience and and, you know, being in the environment and mm. the nature of our business is something that kind of needs to be presented and explained in person, you know. It's you know, goes a bit beyond like a vibe thing, you know? I think we can do a little bit of a vibe thing online, but like when you're in the store, you kind of get what we're doing much more so, you know?
0: Totally.
1: um, Yeah, I mean, it it can be explained through the product, you know, so to speak, but when you're there and you just kind of like, yeah, you get all of the the senses, I guess, um, sort of activated that's when you understand like what our perspective is mm. so to speak
0: and also when you have such a like when you have a, a thing that is very conceptually intri- or deep doesn't have to be intricate but can very conceptual and you know made with a certain level of beautiful materials and you know you one can only you one cannot experience that on a screen for sure yeah and that is like the real limitation to like this online world you know and yeah like what were you gonna say i think you i was gonna say
1: shopping shopping online you half the time you don't even know if it's gonna fit you yeah totally much less like really be able to yeah appreciate the details and it's impossible to do do so without being there
0: and online shopping has created a lot of like has a huge carbon footprint as well because people are buying stuff uh, sometimes with the intention to just try it on at home. So that's like shipping and like just more jet fuel. And, you know, so there's a lot of, there are huge costs that people don't necessarily consider when they're just going to tap that buy button, um, which is like a real situation that we need to, address and figure out like just to, to live just to continue life on this planet you know like it's not all about expanding exponentially and you know yeah we need to take care of everything but um yeah i think it's uh, i think especially the us and europe whoops hello sorry about that <laughs> <We> cut there <laughs> are you there or am yeah, I? yeah yeah oh, you're there okay sorry I'm just going to note, 45, cut. (laughs) I'm
1: sorry about
0: that. (laughs) No worries. Um, Right now, yeah, like America and and Europe for sure are in limbo right now. And I think for a business, it's really hard to, I think the whole world is in limbo, but I think especially those two regions. And for a business, it's really hard to just plan, you know, how long is this going to, are we going to be in limbo for? It's definitely not going to be forever, but then, like, what's the, what's the carnage and, like, how we, how long is it going to take to, to move into some kind of direction where we can be almost like, you know, a community that we were before. But I think people today, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think people right now are just missing, like, togetherness and love and people are just so isolated right now. I feel like some some kind of form of Mr. Green reaching out, love, spreading love to the people of the community would be amazing. Um, but yeah, thank you. Um, we'll one-
1: al- we're always trying to figure out how to, how to do that in general. Right, you know? right. Um- some simple ways, of course, I mean, you know, we, we do what we can just on like a, uh, you know, for people who don't visit us, um, you know, we always write a small note, you know, in, in all yeah. of our, our um, uh, packages that we send out, you know. It, it's not necessarily like a big deal per se, but there is an authentic Uh, thing happening essentially you know Mm. Um, that was something that I I learned I worked for Ace Hotel for a really long time and that was like a thing that we did um, at least in the beginning everybody that um, that checked in you know I think it was like within about 20 minutes of them checking in we would slide a little note under the door that was basically like it was nice to meet you if you need anything let you know, whoever it was, you know, you we, we would be like a point person, so to speak, or then on, on more of a generic basis, you know, if, if, if we didn't necessarily have that like direct connection, it was more like generally welcome love, you know, love ace or something yeah. like that, you know, kind of a thing. But Beautiful. the the truth is, is that although that kind of action can feel performative in a certain sense and especially in uh, you know it, if you're having to do it you know sort of day in and day out you know how can you necessarily muster up that kind of energy well the truth is is that we get a lot of feedback from people saying hey um i really appreciated you taking a moment to do that and i did kind of feel that Getting those, like, you know, that happens, let's say, like, one one out of every, like, 30 or something like that notes that we get out, it, like, somebody, like, will mention that they got it, and they found mm-hmm. it, that it was, like, a nice touch, and, you know, for whatever it was worth, yeah. worth them writing back, you know? And um, and I, that's all you really need to yeah. get to know that you should continue doing something like that, you know? That's
0: the G.T. Um, that keeps you going, for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah. We also write with a rainbow pencil. Oh, you know?
0: Stop it! It's too much <laughs> cuteness. <laughs> oh, I mean, I just,
1: you know, there is definitely like there is an impetus to letting people know that, like, I mean, letting people know the truth that we're that we're a small business, that we're real people who like took the time to like put this thing together, you know, and. Um, and the truth is, is like we're not pumping shit out, and we're not rich. We're just
0: just doing trying
1: it. to essentially, yeah, like create something that's personal and you know uh, heartfelt, and hopefully like something sus- you know sustainable, both uh, for the world, for ourselves, for our customers, you know, in in every sense that that can mm. mean, you know, ultimately,
0: so cultivating goodness and happiness. From yourself to everybody else. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Ariel, that was that was beautiful. Thank you so much for that chat. Seriously, it was really nice. Um, for people who want to check out Mister Green, how can they do that? Tell us all. Uh,
1: you can go to our site. Uh, it's inverted in very classic weed way. In a in a classic weed way, the, the website is www.green-mister and that's spelled out m-i-s-t-e-r.com
0: beautiful well thank you friend and um catch you i don't know on the internet but hopefully in real life bye everybody
1: bye thank you lauren
0: thank you